What's up, everybody? Thomas Brandon here with my man, Keith Bradley. This is 3 Wide in the Middle, your home for all things racing. Keith, how's it going today? Good. How are you? I'm doing good, man. Ready to rock and roll. And real quick, everybody, sorry about this being a, a week late. Last week, had a little technical difficulties on my end. My damn PC uh, wasn't working and literally happened right when we were firing up to to record the show so so we got this week's episode and then as you guys know we're going every other week now so um i'm leaving next week to mexico but we will have an episode for you guys the following week and then we'll pick back up when i get home in january but before we dive into the sprint car news that we got to cover today along with a little bit of f1 i want to talk about the nascar series now I had made mention of this earlier on in the year during one of the first episodes that we did. And I said, we got to wait and see how this package is going to play. Now, once again, we've only had a few tests, but the NASCAR next gen cars were at Charlotte and they did do a test. And from everything that I saw, the biggest concerns that they had with the steering and the heating and those types of issues seemed to be if not resolved, at least on the path to being resolved. There was big improvements in that. The biggest issue that I am having with the car right now, and it's and it's hard for me to, to really have an open mind, is the actual packages themselves. Now, my entire life in racing has always progressed the same way. It, it doesn't matter what race car you're in, okay, the racing series you're in. As you move up the ranks, the cars get faster. But in NASCAR, they are now getting slower, which makes zero fucking sense to me. Why they have made these cars and harken back to the old days of, hey, let's make them actually look like stock cars again. Although, like, you know, Harry and Days of Thunder said, there's nothing stock about a stock car, right? Why we go through all this work to make these things actually look stock again and run stock again. And then we slap these freaking restrictors on them at 550 horsepower on a mile and a half track is beyond me. Because the cars are not hard enough to drive. I remember... And it was when I fell in love with NASCAR in the late 80s. There was nothing that I loved more than watching someone like Harry Gant sliding the car around the top of the track, right? Like, you know, at a, at a, at a, you know, a Richmond or a Wilkesboro or something like that. Like, that was the coolest thing in the world to see. To see those guys out there in those basically what were shoeboxes, right? I mean, and, and they're sliding around the track and you could tell that it took real skill. Now, these things are so glued to the track and they have a hundred and 25 horsepower less than the NASCAR Xfinity series makes very little sense to me. And the fact that when you watch that test, you can actually hear in the cockpit, go listen to the cockpits on YouTube because there's plenty of footage out there. They don't lift. They're wide open. And it really, I'm really concerned because I was excited about this next gen car. I, you know, the, the, the gen six car that we just wrapped up with, I, was not a big fan of it, although it seemed to get a little bit better towards the end. But, you know, you have one side that protrudes out by, you know, two and a half feet. And then the other side is 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 flat as an ironing board, right? So they can get that side force. These cars are yawed out at 15 degrees because last time I checked, you know, all, all you know, your, your street cars definitely crab walk down the interstate, right? So it was good that 
we are getting what we are getting in terms of the car. The fact that they've got so much downforce and such little power concerns me. And I'm really hoping that NASCAR does not turn every mile and a half track or bigger into freaking Daytona and Talladega. Now, part of the reason this frustrates me so much is the fact that I I think NASCAR, I, I actually believe, and I, I'm, and I'm, you guys, and I'm hoping I am so wrong on this. I really am. I'm praying I'm wrong on this. But what it seems like is NASCAR is wanting to turn everything into a pack race, right? Daytona and Talladega, right? We got the big packs. It's exciting. But at the end of the day, the people who like love that and want to see that are not true NASCAR fans. They're just not true race fans. Right? I love side-by-side -side racing. I do. Don't get me wrong. What I don't love is 43 cars in a pack separated by two seconds where if one person makes a mistake, half the field gets destroyed. Right? Like that, it just makes zero sense. When you are seeing these races where only 10 cars are finishing on the lead lap because now we're having not just the big one, but multiple big ones, I don't see a need why we should be turning the majority of the tracks into that type of racing. And it drives me nuts that NASCAR says they want to harken back to the, you know, their core fan base. And then yet they seem to be doing stuff like this, which seems to be targeted more at the casual fans that want, you know, pack racing and it's and that type of nonsense. So I'm trying to maintain an open mind. I'm really hoping that they will at least be open to changing things. I hope it's not something they're going to run an entire season of this crap and the racing not be good. Um, now, the, the test was not all bad. There were some things that were promising. There was about a two-second fall-off in the lap times um, after like only 15 or 20 laps or so. So, I mean, that is promising. You know, maybe when the tires wear down, they might actually have to like, I don't know, lift off the throttle. But... I got to tell you guys, I was really looking forward to Daytona, and right now, I, I'm, I'm really concerned. Not so much about Daytona, but what is going to happen after Daytona. So, I, what do you, what do you, what are your thoughts, Keith? What do you think about the, the package this, this season that we've got so far? Uh, I mean, me personally, I'm not a big fan of it because, to me, and this is just my personal opinion from driving the car on iRacing, and you can take it for what it's worth. The cars planted some is too planted it's easy to yeah. drive it don't get yawed out it don't ever get loose it, it just stays planted and you run flat out for 30 laps or so give or take i just i feel like nascar looked at a trans am road course car and was like that's what we need to do yeah it's like the australian supercars and and right? it, like it's, it's just like <laughs> because they keep saying that they're they're going back to what the old generation is used to and if you look back my favorite generation of the cup cars is what is it 2003 to 2006 where they were all skewed out and they're real hard to drive and they're all real edgy and they had big time horsepower on them and yeah it was right before the car tomorrow or whatever it yeah, was that, yeah mm -hmm. the year before yep, yep. But yeah now looking at the next gen car it just, I don't know, to me, it looks it looks like they're trying to 
please, I'm going to say the arcade type fan. Yeah. And that's, that's what I'm afraid of too, you know, is, and look, I am all for the cars progressing, right? Cause I've heard people out there being like, what the hell's up with the independent suspension? My God, folks, every street car out there damn near has an independent suspension, especially the cars that they're representing, right? You don't go yeah. buy a Camaro and be like, can I get that with, can I get that with the 1979 Posi track? Right? Like it's, it's not like that, yeah. man. So it's, you know, I get, I get that. And so that I'm perfectly fine with. I'm even fine with the, the sequential shifting and stuff like that. I don't have a problem with that, that they get rid of the gearbox. That's perfect fine with me you know the the whole panning off sealing off the bottom i'm fine with that too i really am but you know the cars looking more like cars i love the way the cars actually look i really oh, look. do yeah it looks scary yeah i i love them and you can aggressive. exactly well and they look you can look at the cars without having to have the the decals on it and you can tell the difference i can look at the car and i can go that's a Ford Mustang. That's a Chevy Camaro, right? That's a, a Toyota Camry. Where before, they all looked the same, and it was just what decals you had on it. Honestly, what really concerns me with the next-gen car, and like I said, this is my opinion, is the aluminum upper control arms, the lower control arms. All the main components are aluminum. So say you go to Martinsville, and you pancake the wall. Will you be able to continue? Yeah. Probably. Yeah, and they, that is that is something that is hold up just as good as the old cars did. Yeah, and that so is something I, concerning. I'd like, I'd like to see NASCAR take the damage clock away. Yeah, I mean, if we're gonna go back to what the old school guys like, go away yeah. with the damage clock. I always love seeing cars at Martinsville running around with no fenders on the dang thing, or the bumper gone and the hood gone. Yeah. Was, <laughs> yeah. Is, yeah. Well, no, and that's true. And look, I mean. Then that is that is something that they are so these newer cars with the composite bodies and stuff like that. That is one thing that is supposed to be better in terms of the body is the chassis and stuff like that. Where the the way that the aerodynamics, especially the aerodynamics and stuff like that, the way that it works now, you know, because you've got the air dam up front, you've got the um, diffuser in the back. Because of that, you know, you don't have to worry about going down on the apron messing up your side skirt and now all of a sudden you are aerodynamically deficient because of that one little mistake you know you heard austin Dillon was talking about this at phoenix he was like even though you want to be cutting down on the apron through the dog leg he goes the risk versus reward in terms of what damage might i cause to the car aerodynamically to do that he goes you have to take that into consideration and with these cars they're not going to have to worry about that as much. And so I'm, I'm with you. I like those kinds of factors. Cause that was something you didn't worry about that in, 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 you know, 1989, 1990, like oh. they, that, and, and part of it was cause they, they didn't understand aerodynamics the way they do now, but also because the cars were built just way tougher. And I love that about them, you know? And I, I, like I said, I think these ones definitely have a more rugged component to it. I just hate the fact that they've but got so little power. What really makes me nervous about the next-gen car is, okay, yeah, I get that you want to put them in the clash, but at a short track, a week or two before the Daytona 500, not a lot of teams have more than one car built at the moment. No, uh-uh, so they don't. So you go out to the LA Coliseum and you destroy a car, what happens next? Yeah, 
does yeah. that team count for the 500? And I'm also really curious to see how they're going to bump draft at the super speedways because that diffuser. I'm curious to see if the bumpers will line up or anything yeah, like I, I am. Just, I'm, I'm, I'm wondering about that too. Or if you I, cause damage to someone else's diffuser, how that's going to affect them. I, I can't say that I'm disgruntled about it. I'm as a racing fan, you like high horsepower. Yes. I mean, you got to like it or you wouldn't be a, a fan of motorsports. I just, I'm not a big fan of creating pack racing at, every single mile no no me neither i mean the the short tracks might be good i mean it's a big question mark right now but i don't like watching side by side racing the whole entire time i think it was the all-star race two years ago when they tried the roof vents yes or the hood vents and that's what it caused it caused side by side racing the whole all-star race yeah um, yeah exactly and you and that's the thing is that you know, that was one of the things that I always loved about tracks like Charlotte or Atlanta, for example, right? Atlanta is one of my favorite tracks because you, you had this really fast track, but you had to get out of the throttle. You, there was multiple lines that you could run and it was great. Some of the best races I've ever watched were at tracks like that and they weren't wide open all the way around it. And that really, like I said, that really concerns me because look, if you want to limit the horsepower, which I'm not a fan of, but if you want to limit the horsepower, then limit the downforce, right? Freaking eight inch spoiler in the back when you've got a front air damp and you've got a rear diffuser. I don't think people realize how much downforce that generates. Like the diffusers generate so much I, downforce. I feel like they've made the cars easier to drive. That's what that's what I think too. And now if you've heard listen to some drivers, some drivers have even said that. Now the one thing that they have talked about and I've heard a few different drivers talk about this. The one thing that they have talked about is they they are having a hard time finding the limit of the tire, but that I believe is something that'll be figured out because they went through the same thing when they went from the bias ply to the radial, right? Yeah. You know, they just, the, 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 the tires are much stiffer and, and they're just think, different. And I think the new tire that they're going to is basically like the old one that they had, the, the ply tire. Yeah. I don't know well, if it's, if it's a ply or what, but I just know that from and i don't know if the drivers had come up with this theory or if it's the, i don't know but i think because of the the smaller sidewall they just don't feel the flex in the car i guess that that yeah. slip angle and so they're having a harder time feeling the limit but like we were saying there's a lot of places though where that doesn't even come into play right like, i mean it, there's just because they're flat out you know I so Sorry. Go ahead. No, I was just gonna say. So I just I'm worried about that. I, I'm I'm more upset that they went away from five lugs to one single lug nut. Yeah. Like, see, I I I'm with people on that. Like and I like, I'm, but I don't like it at the same time because yeah. I, I liked watching. All right, who's gonna win off pit, pit pit road? Who's gonna have the best pit stop? Now it's just like all right. Yeah, I'm up. I'm with you on that. You know, they did some pit road testing. The the because of the the lock the the locking 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 mechanism on that single lug um the times were similar now i definitely think they'll get faster and with the fueling the refueling that they're doing now it'll be interesting to see how you know are they going to get mean, below 10 seconds it'll make getting the lug nut on 
that much more important now. Yeah. Definitely. You won't have four holding it on if you miss one. Now, now it, you just have one. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. Yep, exactly. It, but, it's very interesting to see what's going to happen because I know I was listening to the Dale Jr. download last week, and I know Kevin Harvick's pushing to get a high-horsepower motor put in the car. So we'll, well see yeah. Exactly. And, and I agree with him. I'd like to see high, high horsepower, low downforce. Yeah. Well, and look, they used to have 800 horsepower because I remember that was a big that was a big debate when I was a kid growing up, right? Who had more Who had more horsepower, the NASCARs or the 410 sprint cars? And that's how people used to talk about it. They'd be like, I, I mean, I remember at the track when I was a kid, people saying these 410 sprint cars have as much horsepower as a NASCAR. NASCARs used to have 700, 800 horsepower. Now they're at 550. The Xfinity and the trucks are going to have more horsepower than the top series. Can you imagine that? Could you imagine, Keith, when you were learning how to drive a sprint car, could you imagine showing up and then being like, oh, hey, hey, you're going to drive the 410, but when you make it to the top level in USAC, you're going to hop in that 360 over there, right? Like, you'd be like, wait, what? It'd be like taking steps to go forward and then another 10 to go backwards. You'd be like, wait, isn't that backwards? It's like, what what are you talking about? You know? And me personally, I I like NASCAR. I like watching Xfinity and trucks because I feel like you actually got to get up on the wheel and drive them. Yes. And yeah. I'll, I'll probably continue watching just Xfinity and, and trucks. Yeah. The only reason why I really watch Cup is, of course, Kyle Larson, when I raced with him, kind of got that connection and Chase Briscoe. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm holding out hope for NASCAR. I really am. I'm hoping this season. And like I said, I hope I am – completely wrong about this i really do (laughs) i feel like they're trying to turn it into i don't know an american version of road racing because they're trying to add more road courses and then they throw in the dirt track and i'm not a big fan of the cup cars on dirt i mean it didn't put on a good race at bristol yeah i I, the trucks at eldora they put on a good show there and maybe talk to tony stewart about putting the prelude to the dream on and put them cup guys and and, and late models. Yeah. 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 See, I'm I'm with you, man. I, I wasn't a big fan of the Bristol dirt race for the cup guys. I always liked the, the truck race. I thought that was uh, I thought that was cool and unique because, you know, when you think about trucks, you think about more rugged, more dirt, even though obviously they're not like pickup trucks. But I mean, just the connection that people make. And to me, the the cup cars on the dirt. I just, I was never a big fan of it. You know, it's only one race. So, I mean, I guess I could stomach it, but overall I'm with you. I'm. I couldn't even watch it. Yeah. It's just, I don't know what NASCAR seems to do when stuff starts to work is they seem to go and, and we do this as a whole. And I say we, but just society as a whole, anytime, any business, any corporation, anytime something's successful, they think, hey, if one's good, a hundred is better, right? We got yeah. five road races. That's excellent. Well, what would happen if we had 10? Well, dude, now you got too many, man. Like it, it's it's not, it's, it's you know what I'm saying? Like you don't want that. So how about you just keep it at the four or the five and we call it good, right? You want other, you want to hit other venues? That's fine. Then rotate them throughout the years. No one says you got to go to X, you know, the that road course every single year maybe you go every other year right personally i would like to see more short tracks and road courses i would see i wouldn't i would love to actually see more short tracks 
I think the road courses, I think what, what the number that they're at right now, I think is good. Although these cars are definitely, oh, they're, they're much better for road courses. Yeah. Road courses. So the, the road course racing, I do think will be better. But I I think with the the couple rovals that they have and the the handful of road courses that you know with Coda Watkins Glen Sonoma you know those places and then you got the Charlotte Daytona roval and I think there's what one more that they do Is Road it, America Road America yeah see I think I think that's good I think six is good I really do and me personally I feel like if you're gonna do the road course stuff with with NASCAR in general all three series go away with the stage racing. Just on the road courses. Yeah, and see, that's the thing. It makes the race a lot longer because you got to think if you're on a two mile racetrack and you race, say, to lap 10, now you just burnt three laps trying to get everybody to the pace car. Yeah. That makes sense mm-hmm. at all. Yep. No, you're right. That it, it makes it tough. And especially when there's a caution, right? I mean, when they were doing those full course cautions at Road America or whatever, dude, it took forever to get through that. So, yeah, that's. That does bring up a good point, I mean, you know. I, mean, I would take a, a page out of the IMSA book because it seems like they're trying to merge with IMSA. Yeah, that's what they're doing. And, and I would just do local cautions, and then if it's a big crash and you got oil and stuff on the track, then throw a yellow. Yeah. See, I, I think that's. I don't think that's a bad idea. I think that is something that could be done. I do. Um, I mean, I mean, who's going to want to sit at a racetrack for four hours at a road course and burn? I don't know. We'll say five minutes just watching them try to catch a pace car. Yeah, exactly. So, no, I'm with you, man. I I do. I would definitely like to see more more short tracks. Um, I know that they're you know big news is I know they're trying to go to the Nashville. Yeah, Fair. yeah, and I I think that that would be a really good a really cool track for them to go to. Uh, the big news that they're going to be putting all that money into Wilkesboro. You know, will they will they end up at Wilkesboro? I don't know. I I just um. I think it would be cool if they did. Um, you know, I, I like, I, I, I'm personally of the opinion that they should have never gotten rid of it. I understand the whole, the whole business behind the scenes. I mean, there was a lot of stuff that was going on with that back then. So I get all that, but it would be nice to see more tracks like that. You know, to piggyback off that and, and even just to test the waters, I would take the truck schedule and be like, look, all right, you guys are going to 15 mile and a half. So let's cut that in half. Let's send you guys to a bunch of these grassroots short tracks. Yeah. You guys feel the waters. Go, go put your toes in the water and see how it is. Yeah. Use the NASCAR, use the NASCAR trucks and even the Xfinity series to an extent to go test all this stuff. You know, see how it works, see how it plays. Because I tell I, you right now, if there was a, if I had a half mile or yeah, fill in the stands. I mean, why, why could NASCAR? You know what exactly, I mean? Exactly. Yeah. You know, so if I had a half mile or three quarter mile even a one mile, you know, asphalt oval within driving distance in the Xfinity series or the truck series was going to come to it. I would go to that. I would go check that out. Definitely. I was so disappointed when they took Kentucky off the schedule because heck it's 30 minutes down the road for me. Yeah. And and now it's full of Ford pickup trucks waiting on microchips. (laughs) Yep. I know. (laughs) Yeah. Along with all the other auto parks around right now, waiting on freaking processors. It's crazy. So yeah, we'll have to wait and see what happens. We won't get to know for sure how these cars are going to really do until the, you know, the second race of the year after Daytona, but. And uh, and I'm sure they'll, 
they'll adjust everything with more. And, I, and I'm hoping so. I really am. I am hoping so. So maybe they'll they'll fix some things and adjust some things because I know the drivers were still complaining about how hot the the cockpit gets and yeah. Well, it'll be interesting to see what comes down the pipeline with them. It's just going to be so dang hard to judge off the first race because I mean they're going to a really small track. Mm-hmm. And then Daytona, I mean, you, I guess you could judge it off Daytona, but I, I'm curious to see how they do overall. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see when they're at a you know at Montana or Vegas, you know those types of tracks, Atlanta. So it'll be interesting to see. But, all right, you guys, well, we're going to take a quick break. And when we get back, we got some huge, huge news to talk about here on the sprint car side of things. Bunch of top USAC drivers making the jump to the dark side. That's right. They're going to be putting the wings on. So we're going to talk about that right after the break. All right. So big news in the world of sprint car racing. So actually last night, my man Keith over here, he actually brought this up during my live stream. So I was live streaming on my YouTube channel and Keith talked about some big sprint car news. And it it's definitely a big one because as me and Keith were talking about before today's show, it's kind of a sign of the times. But big news out of USAC where Chris Windham and Kevin Thomas Jr., both of them are going to be going winged sprint car racing next year. Now, uh, Keith, we talked about it a couple episodes ago, how Tyler Courtney put the wing on this this last year and had an amazing season. I mean, you know, their intent was to just dip their toes in and he ends up winning the All-Star Series Championship, wins the Kings Royal, had like 10 victories on the year. And it looks like he's got some people following in his footsteps now. Yeah, he, he kicked the door open and really showed that a non-wing guy can throw a wing on and win a championship and a bunch of races and some big prestigious races to go along with it. And I was quite surprised when I opened my Twitter up uh, yesterday afternoon and seen that Kevin Thomas Jr. was going wing racing. I was like, wow, that's, that's, that's interesting. And then forgot all about Wyndham. He announced that he was going wing racing at the um, gateway Dirt Nationals in St. Louis. So Tyler Courtney paved the way for him, and them, them guys are putting the wings on. I mean, unfortunately, I call it chasing money, but unfortunately, I mean, that's that's what you have to do if you want to make a living in the dirt world. Well, and it really is, and that is – you know, a sign of the times. And look, at the end of the day, and and it's it's always been the case in any professional sport, whether you're talking the NFL, Major League Baseball, or auto racing, right? At the end of the day, cash is king. And if you want to do this for a living, you've got to get paid or the opportunity to get paid has to be there. And when you look at a USAC event, right, a normal USAC event that pays a couple grand, and then you look at your regular average World of Outlaws event or or All-Star event where the payout's 10 grand, right, it's double, triple, just for your regular everyday event, it's hard to look at that and not say, well, man, why am I over here when I can be over there? Yeah, and and that's the biggest thing. And like I was explaining to a friend of mine, he was kind of upset that KT was leaving, and then 
Wyndham was leaving, and I was like, well, you kind of got to look at it from their point. If they say one of them made seventy grand this past year just on winnings alone, that ain't counting T-shirt money or merchandise money. After you pay your bills, and when I mean bills, your your tire bill, your fuel bill, your motor bill, if you destroy a couple cars, there there's an bill stacking up on top of each other. And then your help, you got to pay your help. Yeah. But by the time that's done, you you might be sitting with I don't know twenty grand in your pocket, maybe give or take some, maybe give or take some less. Um, and, and I think I seen somewhere where. If you start a World of Outlaw feature, a main event, you automatically leave with a thousand bucks in your pocket just for starting the show. Yes. Just to start a USAC show, you if you take the green and you break on the second lap, you, you walk away with maybe two hundred bucks. Yeah. Two hundred and fifty bucks. So I could see where it's beneficial to want to go wing racing. The money is there. Yes, the money definitely. has always been there. Has it always been as popular? Maybe not. Kyle Larson kind of helped bring that back. And now I feel like wing racing right now is at an all-time high. And these non-wing guys are finally seeing it, realizing, hey, we could probably go make some more money over there and better ourselves and better our careers and further along our career. Because who knows, maybe Tyler Courtney goes full-time outlaw racing next year. We don't know that yet. But yeah. it could lead to that. And with Kevin Thomas Jr. and Chris Windham, I'm going to say following in Tyler Courtney's footsteps, they could also do the same thing and better themselves. And that's not harping or saying anything bad against USAC because non-wing sprint car racing by far, I think, is takes the most skill to do. Oh, it's way more difficult. It, it just it, – it don't pay. The, the money is not there like it is in wing racing. Yeah, it's just not. And that's the thing. And and the this this goes to just the financial aspect of of dirt track racing, you know? And when you look at things in terms of popularity and and bottom line, you know, money, at the end of the day, <clears throat> track promoters got, you know what I mean? Like the the, the track promoters, these sanctioning bonds, stuff like that, you've got to be able to put up the money to get the cars, to get the people to show up. And you also can't just have the drivers, right? That series that comes in has got to put fans in the stands because that's how the track promoters are going to make that money. That's how the sanctioning bonds are going to make that money. And when you look at something like modified racing, for example, right? Like you can go out and you can start a, you know, if you're, good enough right but you can go out and you can run you know the you know dirt car modified series and make just as much money if not more than a usac driver just because the payouts the popularity the events right where non-wing usac sprint car racing is a big deal in pockets of the country but you get outside those pockets it's not like wing racing right you can find a wing track pretty much anywhere there's a dirt track you know what i mean yeah, and, and like I was telling you earlier when we were just chit-chatting, in order to make a successful living running the USAC Tour, you've got to run the non-wing sprint cars, you got to run the midgets, and you got to run the silver crown. Yes. And not only do you got to run them, you've got to finish on the podium to you gotta be good. <laughs> make any type of money. Yeah. you got to be really good. 
So, I mean, you have a bad season in your non-wing car, turn around, have a bad season in your midget, turn around and not make any shows in the silver crown or junk your car the first race. And now you can't make it the rest of them. You're, you're kind of shooting yourself in the foot and that debt limit that you've set for yourself for that season is just getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And then you might rip off a couple wins and that ain't even going to put a dent into what you're wanting, your end goal of wanting to make this amount of money. Yes. So unfortunately to make money, I mean, you never make money in racing. So let's, let's be honest there. Yeah. But <laughs> to make it your job, you've yes. got to be really good. You've got to win a lot of races in all the USAC divisions. And unfortunately, two of the biggest stars in USAC right now are leaving. And I'm hoping, I'm hoping USAC does something to keep some of the other bigger guys with them. So uh, it'll be very interesting to see if they raise the payouts. I hope they do just to keep some of the guys there. Yeah. If not, I mean, you're going to have a bunch of no names in USAC. Yeah. And that's, that unfortunately is only going to hurt the sport even more because like I said, you're always going to have your diehard USAC fans who are going to go to USAC events because it's USAC. But you know, the, the, the average dirt fans, right. Who, who show up to an event a year because it's, you know, it's, they want to see their favorite drivers. If those drivers are gone, well then they don't have the, the motivation to go. And, you know, losing those guys is a big deal. I mean, you're talking about when you talk about, you know, Tyler Courtney, right? I mean, Tyler Courtney still ran some USAC stuff this year, but the wing car was, you know, all stars were were front and, you know, center. That's that that took precedence over everything else. Right. So when you talk about someone like Tyler Courtney, who's gone and then now you're losing Kevin Thomas Jr. and Chris Windham. Right. I mean, you're talking about these are these are not guys who just run in the top five. You're talking about champions within USAC. Right, like that that caliber of driver, the guys who are up there, like when when the season kicks off, you're talking about these are these are the picks to win the championship in their respective series, and now they're going wing racing, and it it's a it's a hard hit for for USAC because, like you said, you're, you're losing star drivers, and it's it's scary because, like you said, it could really open up the floodgates for for uh, more guys to jump ship. And I think the most disheartening part of it is, let's let's say Indiana Sprint Week, for instance. Each race might pay $2,500 to win, maybe five, give or take. But if you win Indiana Sprint Week, that's $10,000. Mm-hmm. Or you could go strap the wing on and go win one ring wing race, and you just made $10,000 in one race. Yeah. I mean, I get why they're doing it. I see why they're doing it. Unfortunately, USAC, the right way to put it, USAC ain't as big as it was back in the 80s when. No, it's not. When they had the IndyCar series and and it paved your way to going to the Indianapolis 500. Unfortunately, it ain't like that anymore. That's the, and that's the thing, you know, it used to be, if you wanted to go, that was, and that kind of, that was the path, you know, when when I was growing up, and then when I first got involved with racing and stuff like that, I mean, we actually had these conversations with with Terry and and uh, Duke and Scotty and those guys, right? With with Ron, where 
Terry's like laying it out. He's like, look, if you want to go run asphalt, if you want to go to NASCAR or Indy, he goes, you go USAC. He goes, you you need to go run the midgets. You need to go run the sprint cars, the non sprint cars, the silver crown stuff. He's like, that's the path. If you want to go run NASCAR, you want to go run Indy, that's where you want to go. He's like, if you want to spend the rest of your days on dirt, he's like, put a wing on the car and go try to be an outlaw, right? Like that was the path. And now it's looking like, no, nah, man, whatever way we can either get to NASCAR or get to the outlaws, that's, that's where we're going. Yeah. And, and unfortunately you got guys doing that now, because I mean, like I was saying earlier, if you drive for yourself, yeah, you're going to make some money off of it. But if you drive for somebody, that car owner's got to take a cut of the money too. Exactly. They got bills to pay. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I'll use Justin Grain as an, an example. He drives for three different people. So at the end of the year, that money gets divvied up between the car owner, racing expenses, and then Justin Grant gets a share. I don't know the exact figure on it, but, I mean, it, it'd be tough to make a living off of it. I mean, you talking about making sacrifices. You'd have to make sacrifices to make a living of being a USAC sprint car driver. Yes. That's why you see Robert Blue out driving a semi-truck. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Because it's, you've got to, you've got to, you know, you've got to have that, you've got to have that money. You got to be able to, and and look, those guys, I mean, think about the time that they spend on the road. I, you know, I mean, the new schedule just came out. I mean, they're starting up in, I mean, we're not far away from the start of the 2022 season, right? In the middle of February, they're heading to, to Ocala, Bubba Raceway, and they're going to go until November, the first week of November. That's yep. a lot of traveling, and you're talking right. about a ton of play. It's not like they're they're all in Indiana and Pennsylvania, right? You're talking Indiana, Ohio, Kansas, Missouri, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, California, Florida, right? You're talking about all over the country. <laughs> when you start doing that kind of traveling, that kind of moving around, and you know what I mean? These guys, they've got to live off the road, right? They're not in haulers that have full apartment complexes with kitchens and dining. You know what I mean? Like you're, you're, you're living off of, you know, truck stops and stuff like that gas station food you know what i mean like i remember i remember those days right where when you saw a denny's you were like oh my god we get some denny's tonight like it was yeah we got something cooked tonight Woo, you know so it's it's not easy man and it, it all takes money and if you're gonna do that many dates and look that's just the sprint cars like you said if you want to really make a living you got to run the midgets too yeah, run them yeah, both, at least, out. and the Silver Crowns. Now, Silver Crowns, and, they only do, what is it, like 10 races a year now? They don't do that many. But still, you, it's a lot of traveling, and it's it's a lot. it costs a lot of money to do that. And, and that's that's part of the reason why maybe you see Buddy Kofoy dipping his toes in these other forms of racing. Mm-hmm, exactly. Car and running it. But while we're, while we're on the subject of breaking news with the USAC stuff, Emerson Axum is actually moving to Clausen Marshall Racing to chase non-wing points in their sprint car. Oh, uh, really? They're going to run a limited midget schedule. And then they are also, and this ain't going to be no surprise to anybody that knows Clausen Marshall, he is going to run a limited wing schedule. Really? Yep. That oh, wow. 
last week, I think. Nice. And then then today, Chase Dawkin is going to be driving the pink 69 on all the dirt silver crown races. I did. I did hear that. That actually popped up just before we went live um, where uh, Chase is going to be doing that. Yeah. Going to be running that. Just touching on the USAC stuff, next season's going to be very, very different. Yes, it is. We're going to have some guys going for a championship that's never won a USAC championship outside of C.J. Leary and Brady Bacon, if they're even still there. Yeah, exactly. Because, <laughs> I mean, our door's open. Yeah, well, look. Come on, guys, come eat steak with us. Yeah, well, look, Brady Bacon was running. He was at the World Finals. He was driving for Kevin Swindell at the World Finals. You know, the the kid can drive, man. And Hoffman Hoffman put a wing car together last year, too, and they yeah. ran it about one the dang thing until they broke a throttle linkage. He ran at the new uh, dirt track up in Indianapolis, Circle City. So, yep. unfortunately, today's day and age, you got to go where the money's at. I mean, it's a lot like the NFL. You want to get paid, you got to go get paid. Yeah, exactly. You and, have to put the money. And yep. unfortunately. You'll lose a couple stars, and you might gain a couple. Yeah, and that's true. You never know, right? I mean, those guys that are leaving, they they might be moving on to greener pastures, but it might allow some other drivers to come up and fill those spots. You know that you never know what happens. Yeah, I mean, I remember thinking that there would, we would never see another. You know, I you know when you look back at you know Tony Stewart, right? Like, I mean that that guy was who who would have ever thought that we would see somebody who can hop into any car and be that good and that dominant, whether it was midget sprint car, you know, silver crown, dirt, asphalt, whatever. Yeah. Indie car. Right. And then all of a sudden comes along Kyle Larson. Right. I mean, it's just like, you know, who'd have thought it. So, I mean, are, are we going to see another Kyle Larson? I doubt that, but you never know, but it might be a few years, but I mean, could we see another driver come up that's as good as the guys leaving? Absolutely. You know what I mean? We could absolutely see that. There, yeah, these guys are exactly. And you know, and you got kids now hopping in go karts when they're five years old. By the time they're twelve, thirteen, they're already running. You know, mini sprints and hopping into TQ midgets, and heck, some of them even hopping into full size midgets by the time they're fourteen, fifteen years old. So, yeah, we could absolutely see some kids like that moving up. You know, so it'll be interesting. And that's like NASCAR. I mean, USAC's changing with the times. They're going to go younger because these younger guys, younger kids will take less money, basically do it for nothing, just to to do it. Oh, yeah. Just to get their name out there. So, I mean, yeah, these bigger teams, yeah, they'll pay their veteran guys, but will they take a cheap route and say, hey, this 15-year-old's coming up and he's going to be the next big thing. Let's pay him. Yeah. a little cheaper too exactly well and, and think about think about it he i mean you used to race right and look and my racing experience is you know very a couple of years of it in an outlaw card i never ran anything bigger but i could tell you right now if i had any type of skill and was driving a sprint car out here you know on the west coast and then all of a sudden i got some buddy in usac saying hey man we'll pay you to drive our car i'll be like sold done right they don't, you don't even you don't even need to tell me how much you're gonna pay me just the fact that you're gonna pay me i'll be yeah. there you know so i i think when you look at that with the guys coming up and and you know you hear about it all the time and stuff like you know formula one's obviously an extreme example because there's only 
20 cars. But at the end of the day, like those guys always say, look, there's only 20 of these spots available, right? And even though it's, you know, in USAC, right, there's only a handful of those spots available, right? When you're talking about people who are going to be out there running a full USAC schedule, same thing on the outlaws or the all-stars, right? You got a dozen, two dozen of those spots in those series each, you know, available where you can come in and you can run dirt for a living, right? Or have the opportunity to make money doing it. And so if you're 17, 18 chasing your dreams and all of a sudden the chance is there and you're going to be able to do it, Heck, even if it's less for the guy than the guy before you, you're going to take it because, hey, man, I do good. Maybe I can make more later. So it'll open the doors for some new drivers. We'll have to wait and see what will happen. It'll it'll be exciting. Like like you said, they this they got, you know, 50, what is it, 50 dates this year, 50 or 52 or something like that over yeah, 10 like states. There's a lot of racing this this year. So going back to some tracks they haven't been to in a while, too. So that'll be that'll nice. be cool. It's nice to see these tracks that they used to go to back mm-hmm. in the early years finally coming back to the schedule. I mean, just sitting here looking at it, I mean, you know, it's upsetting to see Paragon of northern Indiana to not be on the schedule, but to replace maybe that track with, I'll say Wilmot. When Last time they've been to Wilmot, I can't remember when. Yeah. But to get new places, I mean... Yeah, we sacrificed some things here and there, but I mean, exactly. Hopefully, the non-wing racing uh, grows as far as payouts go. Yeah, because if they don't, they're just going to lose more people. Unfortunately, yes, and that's the thing because at the end of the day, everybody who gets into racing, right, the money that you're going to put into it even at the local dirt tracks, there has to be that carrot has to be there for you to keep doing it. There's got yeah. to be the opportunity for you to keep doing it. And, and like back when I was racing on wing cars, you had Jesse Hockett going to wing racing because it, it paid more money. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. it was happening then too. Yep. And I mean, I mean, there's a reason why Brad sweet left yeah. non racing to go wing racing. Now yep. look at it. Exactly. Yeah. So, It'll it'll be a it'll be an interesting year to see what happens, and I'll be looking forward to see what happens with with oh, I'm Thomas and 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 Wyndham on the dirt on the wing I'm side. It'll be interesting to see in a wing car full time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. So, yep, a lot of lot of interesting stuff this next year to look forward to. So, yeah, but you guys. That is going to actually wrap up today's show. We're already almost at an hour. So thank you guys as always. Now remember, we got one more episode that we'll be putting out this year. Here, it's all, I can't believe the year is almost over. It's crazy. Uh, That'll be out in, in two weeks. Remember, we're twice a month right now until the season picks back up. So I'll be in Mexico, but we'll have an episode for you in two weeks after after this one. And then I will be back in January and then we'll be picking it back up. And hopefully we'll be having some chili bowl to talk about, which will be uh, definitely interesting. So. Yeah, looking forward to that, but that'll do it all for today, you guys, as always. Thank you very much for being here. Until next time, take care.